like one of the things I love about swimming, it's, um, you know, I feel so alive. That's kind of how I would describe it. Like even now, like when I'm swimming, I just feel alive. Like I, that's kind of my um, takeaway from it. All right, I'm here with the one and only Kimberly Vandenberg. Kim, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. It's good to see you again. Great to see you. Oh, Kim, your your <laughs> stacked resume. Oh my God, a three-time national champion at UCLA, an Olympic bronze medalist in 2008. You're a Pan American Games gold medalist. You're the founder of Kim Swim Studios. You're a mentor with Rise Athletes. You're a spokesperson and ambassador for multiple nonprofits and companies. And now you're focused on creating positive impact for the next generation through coaching. You're also a graduate student at Pepperdine and your Instagram is at Kim Swim. Again, Kim, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much for the intro. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it. Um, Kim, what does living an inspired life mean to you? I think living an inspired life is following your passion. I think for me and for you, it's been sports, you know, for you, I'm sure it was volleyball for me, it's swimming and just following kind of where my passion would lead me, you know? So for me, when I was younger, it was in swimming, it was in the pool. And then later in my life, it was traveling and sharing my stories and my life lessons that I've learned through my sports journey to others. So it's, um, it's a continuous journey. Like I'm still working towards living an inspired life. And I feel like it's a um, balance is a big part of that, you know, like trying to be balanced while you're following your passions. So yeah, it's, it's a really fun experience. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's kind of a fun topic too, because, you know, I started this project in the middle of the pandemic, what a crazy year that was. And I've just been reaching out to people in my network that I think are living an inspired life. And you, you're definitely one of them. And, you know, thinking about your journey and your an incredible swimming journey back from UCLA um, and through the Olympics and now doing what you're doing now. I mean, it's I think you're you're living that, you know, it's kind of more of like a vibe that you're that you're giving out, you know, um, how do you stay inspired on a day to day a day to day basis? Well, I kind of look at it, you know especially when we were graduating, you know, from UCLA. So it's like everyone starts to, you know, hangs up their swimsuits or whatever sport they, you know, start interning, start working corporate lives. And for me, I did, I did at some point when I was in New York, start working for um, a sports media company. I was writing, I was full time, but I was always swimming and teaching on the side. So like before and after work, I'd go swim and teach. And then I'd travel on the weekends and, and teach. Um, and so it really kind of, I just noticed like, I don't have enough time to do all of it. So I want to spend the time that I do have on things that I care about, you know, and things that really make me feel alive and make me feel like I'm, um, giving back and, and contributing to the world. So, um, for me, what keeps me inspired is the people that I get to meet and the kids I get to work with. Um, right now I have a lot of little ones, little three-year-olds that are learning how to swim for the first time. And just to see them develop the confidence in themselves. And also it's a life-saving skill, you know, so to give back in that way. And then with my mentoring to be able to help, you know, young teenagers balance school and swimming and like getting ready to go to college. And um, I just feel like because of my experience with sports and with school and, and academics, I'm able to give um, back through my own experiences. And I think that that's what keeps me inspired is 
the relationships with the people that I'm working with. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. And, you know, since this project is all about tools to stay inspired, what about someone out there who might be uninspired? You know, what tools can you offer them? To, I feel like, yeah, when, when yeah. you're uninspired, I mean, I, it's important to sit down, you know, with a notebook and like write down how you're living your life. Like, where are you bringing your energy? Um, what are your thoughts? What's your self-talk like when you wake up in the morning? Like, are you negative? Are you positive? Um, I really believe that self-talk is the key to success. At least that, that was my experience with swimming. You know, if I had a really bad day and put in the pool and I was just like beating myself up, you know, there's two things you can always change no matter where you are, no matter who you are. And those two things are your attitude and your effort. So if you have a bad attitude, you're probably not giving 100% effort, you know? So those two things are something that I've learned through sports. And I think if you're uninspired, you know, maybe you're bringing your energy to the negative and maybe you're thinking about what's wrong in your life instead of thinking what, what's, what's right in your life. Um, and I think that cultivating gratitude is the key to shifting that and being grateful for everything you do have, you know, like you have supportive family or friends, or you have a body that's healthy, you know, you have a roof over your head and you have food in the fridge, you know, so the, the moments that you're feeling uninspired, write a list of like five things that you're grateful for. And it could be the simplest things. Like I am grateful that I get to drink coffee, you know, <laughs> but that those are the tips that I would give to people who are feeling uninspired and feeling stuck. Cause I've definitely felt that way in my life. And that's what helped me kind of snap out of it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I want to get into self-talk uh, in a second, but you know, I love that you said, um, you know, find things that uplift you and inspire you and find people, right? Like that's what this project is all about. Like sharing people's stories that are, are, are inspiring, you know, that have, you, you people that are, are accomplished or people that are like living their passions, you know? Um, Cause I just feel like, you know, working with kids, I feel like a lot of kids out there are stressed they have anxiety, they mm -hmm. are uninspired, they don't know what direction they want to go in. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just as leaders of kids and, and even of, of coaches, right? Like, I think it's our job to really, to really try to stay on that path. It's not easy. I'm not a master at it, you know, but that's yeah. why, that's why I like talking about it. You yeah. know, I feel like it's a conversation that needs to happen. Definitely. And I'm definitely no master either. I'm learning. I'm, a, I'm always learning. And I think that's one thing that I teach everyone I meet. It's like, I don't know everything, but this is what I do know. You know, right. and, and nobody knows everything. And people who tell you they know everything, they don't. You know, there's no way, as humans, like we cannot possibly know everything there is to know about something. So just to be a student of life, you know, a student of the sport, a student of ourselves, I think is a really important thing. A student of ourselves. I love that. Um, let's, let's talk about that self-talk. Cause I remember you at, at UCLA just being so focused and just being, you know, all about your craft in the pool and then on, you know, going on to the Olympics and getting a bronze. Like, I'm just so proud of you for that. Um, but, but yeah, just talk about your self-talk through that journey, you know, um, at UCLA, at the Olympics, you know, even after, you know, the self-talk specifically, if you can, yeah. as a swimmer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the first time I even heard about self-talk, you know, is at UCLA and um, Cindy Gallagher, uh, the head coach at the time, and one of my mentors and very close friends. Um, Cindy and I would talk a lot about, you know, what I was thinking in practice or like, what am I thinking about when I'm at a big competition and I like just missed the team or I didn't do well, or I was had a bad performance. And um, I was 
very fortunate, you know, and so were you as a UCLA student athlete to have access to sports psychologists. So um, when I missed the Olympic team, I tried out for the Olympic team five times, which I think is a pretty cool thing because I missed it four times when I made it one time. So I have the perspective of missing it more than I've made it. Um, and then the key to how I made it, it was all through self-talk. And so when I missed it the first time, missed it the second time, a lot of it was my focus being on other people, you know, my focus being on my competitors, my focus being on, being on things that were not in my control, right? And so I think with self-talk, the more you can um, focus in on what your, for me, what my race plan was, you know, how am I going to swim a 200 butterfly? What's my breathing pattern going to be? What's my strategy? What can I control? I can only control my lane, like stay in your lane, you know, have the peripheral, be aware of other people, but focus on what you can control. And for a lot of my career, I was worried about what lane two was doing or what lane six was doing, but I was in lane four, you know, so that was really hard. And that is really hard to do in life, I think, to not compare yourself to other people. You know, everyone has a different journey. Um, but the more focused I was on my own race strategy and my own plan, I was able to perform at a higher level. Um, now the self-talk that happened in practice, you know, if I was having a bad day, if I felt sick, if I felt off, if I felt whatever it was, that's what I think is the most important and the most interesting space to be in. Because if you're feeling like crap, if you're not feeling hundred percent, what are you saying to yourself? Are you giving up? Are you just talking negatively? Are you beating yourself up? Um, and so I would just really try to be gentle with myself if I was feeling off, like listen to it. And it's not easy to shift right away, but just bringing awareness to your self-talk when you're not feeling great is the first step, you know, and then the more awareness you have of your self-talk, of self-talk, then you could start kind of shifting it to the positive. Um, but it's a daily practice. It's not easy to do. I think it's really easy to be negative. I feel like most people, um, if they don't have self-awareness, don't have that self-talk dialogue, um, they kind of go to the negative and everything's something is wrong all the time, you know, instead of focusing on what we can be grateful for. I love that. Um, I want to talk about some specific tools that you may have used in training, whether it was at UCLA or, or, or after, um, cause I, in another podcast, you mentioned that you, you, you practice meditation, visualization. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk about those things. Cause they, they keep coming up when I talk to champions For sure. you know, or Olympians. And it's just so, like, it, it's like this yeah. constant theme, you know, that's part of the self-talk, right? Like having that time and space and creating that time and space to sit with yourself. And I think that that's really hard for me. It's always been really hard for me to sit still. And I think it's like that for a lot of athletes, like me too, it's yeah. like you're going and going and going. There's so much, en so much energy, but how do we sit still with our thoughts, you know? And so when I was younger, I was really thankful that my, one of my coaches would guide us through visualizations. So we would sit still, put our legs on the wall. He would talk to us about, you know, you're showing up to the pool. Like, how are you feeling? Like I would visualize myself getting ready for my race, like having my racing suit on, you know, warming up. I'd visualize myself behind the blocks. I'd visualize every step of the way, like the more specific, the better. Like I'd visualize my dive, my underwater kicks, my breakout, my breath work, like the last lap, you know, I'd visualize all these things. So you're training your mind when you get to the race, like your mind knows what to do, just like your body knows what to do when you're practicing all the time. So that was when I was younger. And then later in my career, when I started getting more into yoga um, 
and meditation and breath work and sound baths, I was able to be surrounded by amazing meditation teachers and breath work teachers. And I would go to these little classes, you know, be like a two hour workshop where we're on the floor working on our breath control, or, you know, visualizing different things through meditation. It's a guided meditation. So the teachers would guide us through it. Um, and I loved it and it was really relaxing and it was really, it, it helped me connect back to my body and my mind. Sometimes those two things are not connected, you know, like why is my body not doing what my mind wants it to do or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, I worked with transcendental meditation, um, and that's 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. I did meta meditation. I did sound bath meditation. Um, so I'm a big, a believer and um, supporter of all types of meditation and and visualizations because those two things are are more or less the same. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, when when we were at UCLA, that's kind of when I uh, found yoga and meditation. Yeah. And and I and I, it's funny because you know, um, and you may relate to this, like th this practice, this this realm. The, it, it's a, it's kind of spiritual, right? Because you get really you get really locked in, you get really grounded with yourself, but it's challenging, I feel like, because not a lot of people do that. Yeah. So like, you, you know, like you have to like really find your way to get into that. Um, and even now, like, could you could you make this relatable to someone who might not be an athlete or, or an Olympian? Like, you know, how can that benefit like an everyday person? You yeah, know? I feel like the, the life we all live today, 2021, like it just, there's constant stimulation, you know, there's your cell phone, there's your watch, there's the computer, there's so much going on and the energy is kind of frantic. So it's like, right. you're, you're there, you have to do this, you have to-do lists, you have whatever you have. So to, to carve out 30 minutes, to carve out 10 minutes, to carve out an hour and a half, whatever it is that you have to just lay on the floor and be still, listen to an app or have a Zoom class with a meditation teacher or explore, just your breath and breathing in, um, that's going to reset your nervous system. And so when that resets your nervous system, it's going to calm you down. You're going to feel more balanced. You're actually going to be more productive. Um, and so I think it's really hard to do like the people who are like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. It's like you make time for it. You know, you have control over where you're bringing your time and your energy. Everyone does. And so I think that's something that's hard to get out of. Like if you're feeling stuck in your life, um, meditation for me at least really helped me explore those quote unquote restraints that weren't really there. Yeah, no, it's great. And as a leader, you know, I, I know that you did a yoga teacher training. Yes. So I, I, as a leader, you know, how did that training help you become a better leader? Oh, I loved, so I, um, when I was living in New York, so I lived in New York for like eight years. I moved back to California last year. And um, I did my yoga teacher training with Usha Veda Yoga, my favorite studio in Brooklyn. And I was going there for years and years and years. And um, it helped me so much realize like the hardest parts for me were like yoga nidra, um, like the yogas, like the different types of yogas that were really still and slow. Like for me, I was so used to being, you know, high paced and really active and to slow down. I was like, this is so hard. This is so uncomfortable. Why? Like, why is it so hard for me? So I explored a lot of that with myself and talking to my teachers and um, realizing that it's really important to slow down. It's really important to appreciate the moment and to be able to be present 
you know, I think for me a lot of the time, I'm like always looking forward to the next thing. And I'm, my grandma always says that life is what happens to you when you're making other plans, you know, you're making plans. And so with yoga teacher training, it really helped me kind of stay centered and rooted and to slow down. And I'm still working on that um, today, you know, it was a great example. So I'm, I'm working on that. But the mindfulness and the appreciation for being in the moment is something that I really took away from the yoga teacher training and, um, you know, cultivating that space for my clients is, is really important. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I really think um, I've never done a yoga teacher training, but I've, I have many years of, you know, practice. And I really think that calm that comes with yoga practice really helps being the best leader we can be for our people. Yeah. you know and i i just would recommend people find their own practice you don't have to yeah. go to classes you don't have to have a teacher training but just to sit start with a little meditation and then just some movement some stretching yeah. you know i think it's just so key just to our our everyday health our everyday happiness you know definitely because our bodies hold stress you know your body is holding stress and it's different for everybody but um i've no i've definitely noticed the connection between that yeah, well, let's let's get in more into that because stress is a big part of leading kids, leading leading, like I said, other coaches that deal with kids like stress. How do we how do we as leaders, as inspired leaders, how do we help manage kids who are going through a stressful time? You know, um, yeah. and I know it's kind of open ended question, but just kind of take that. I mean, this is such a great question for the last year. COVID's been really stressful for every single person in the world, right? And especially for kids, you know, because I was teaching one of my little clients and she's like turning 12 and she's like, I can't believe this is my second birthday in COVID. You know, she's not having her birthday party. She's not having her, you know, normal teenage experiences. So I think to create an awareness to how this is a transition, this is temporary, you know, this is not going to be how it is always. And to identify what stressors, like where that stress is coming from. Is it because you're not having your normal social life? Is it because you're feeling whatever you're feeling, you know, to kind of identify what those stressors are, because they're different for everybody. Right. And so, for example, one of the kids I work with, she's, you know, getting ready to go to college. And so she's stressed because it's like COVID, you know, are they going to have graduation, graduation ceremonies in real life? You know, she's experiencing a lot of grief from not having that experience at the end of her high school career before she goes into college. So that's very identified. That's very clear. You know, maybe it's different for a 10 year old. Maybe it's different for a 30 year old. Maybe it's different for everyone. So I think kind of navigating like what is stressing you out in your life and how can you maybe look at it in a different perspective because you can't change it. You know, we can't change COVID, but we can change how we see COVID. We can change how we see our setbacks and that what we see our stressors to be, you know? Mm. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does. It, it's a, it's a good transition to ask you about how we deal with stress as athletes, because in the, um, in another podcast, the smart athlete podcast, be a good human you were talking about um, how performances sometimes define athletes. Yeah. And we don't want that, right? Because you could win, you could lose, but the, that's just one little side of you. We don't want to, we don't want to let that stuff define who you are as a person. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. I think that I know for me in my career, I define myself as how I reacted to my setbacks, like more so than I did um, 
the medals that I've won or the championships that I've won um, when I failed, right? When my mind, when I was fail a failure in swimming, like I missed the team by one spot or I didn't do my best time, whatever it was, how did I react to that? You know, I look, I sat down and I looked at myself and I said, did I give a hundred percent effort? Yes. Like I tried my best that day and it wasn't what I wanted, but I tried my best. And to me, that success is trying your best. And I think that I realized when I missed the team, I realized when I didn't do my best that I was appreciating the opportunity to even try. Like the fact that I was at the Olympic trials as a 32 year old, you know, my fifth time, I'm like, yeah, I didn't make the team, but I can't believe my body is still working to like race these 16 year olds, you know? And so I was like, this is awesome that I have the opportunity to even try, you know, do you have the opportunity and to be great? That's going back to gratitude, you know, being grateful. And so I think that that is kind of how I define myself is what I've learned through the sport, through the sport, you know, the life lessons that have taken me this far, you know, cultivating gratitude, um, trying your best and just giving back to others and supporting other people. Because at the end of the day, that's, the most important thing is to be a community and to give back to the world. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I really love that. I mean, I think it just fits really well with this month. It's all mental. It's all about mental health awareness. And, you know, just to be just to be like, so locked in on your goal, but at the same time, be being able to have healthy detachment from it, I think is, is really important that we teach that as educators, as coaches, as mentors, as leaders, you know, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of kids, when they don't go their best time, when they're, you know, they're really young and you're not going to go your best time every race. That's no one does that. You know, Michael Phelps doesn't even do that. Like you don't go your best time every time you swim. So when I work with these younger athletes, you know, it's like, well, what did you learn in that swim? You know, did you learn that you need to focus more on the last lap? But you take it as feedback. You know, this right. is feedback for yourself. This is going to help you be better in the next race or the next year or 10 years from now, whenever it is. Um, and so I really help try to help the kids understand that it's a, it's not about the performance. It's not about it. It's the life lessons that you learn through it and how you develop resiliency and strength and grit and perspective, you know, from the journey, because right now I don't remember like every single best time I went, but I remember my coaches and my best friends on the team and traveling. Like you remember the experiences more than you remember the like 10 seconds when you, after you win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned Michael Phelps. I actually want to ask you about, about him and train. I get, you got to train with him a little bit in the Olympics, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Could, so you, could you just talk a little bit about, you know, his vibe and the, you know, the, the, the vibe of training with him and stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool thing to say. I mean, I, I love that I had the opportunity to train with the best swimmer in the history of the world, you know? So Phelps, um, we were on the national team together in 2006, 2007, 2008. And so I traveled around um, for different swim meets, world championships, the Olympics, the Pan Pacific championships and swimming with him and training with him. Like he's just born to be a swimmer. Like every <laughs> single thing in, in the water, the way he was extending his arms, the way he moved in the water was was art in my opinion it was just really beautiful to see he was so fast in practice i was just like when i was choking on michael phelps's waves i'm like this is fine like i could joke on michael phelps's waves and um he just you know 
I don't know. He's just a guy. He's like a normal dude, you know, but he's just so talented and he's so incredible, but he's just a human, just like everyone else. And, you know, speaking of mental health awareness, I love what he's doing now. Michael is an advocate for mental health. He's been really open about his own struggles with depression. And, um, I think it's really important. I think it's, um, you know, applause to him for, for speaking up about his experiences. Yeah, no, I, I think we all need to kind of speak up about our experiences now more than ever, whether you're a, a champion or, or not, you yeah. know, I think I think that's, um, I think that I think I just think society is asking for more vulnerability and authenticity yeah. from all of us, right? Yeah, yeah it's the main reason why I'm uh, another reason why I'm doing this project. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to gear it towards the youth athlete and, and towards people that work with youths, because like you said before, like, that's how we create impact, right? Positive yeah. impact dealing with dealing with kids and creating uh, an environment for them to be inspired. Yeah, right? yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and at the Olympics, you know, did I, I'm wondering if you had any run ins with with Kobe? Um, I did. I actually did you? Yeah, I had lunch with him and LeBron James with oh, like cool. swimmers. So because it was when Michael Phelps won eight gold medals, it was like the media was like, oh, great, like Phelps and then like Kobe and LeBron. So Kobe and LeBron like came to the pool to watch, you know, finals one night and like we were all hanging out with them. And then we all had lunch together in the Olympic Village. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. It was fun. Yeah, uh, RIP uh, Kobe yeah. and Gigi, and I mean, um, you know, I've I've just been asking a lot of Olympians about any stories that you might have about Kobe because you know he, he's there he is right there. Yeah, he's I just, saw it. Yeah, and a lot of this is dedicated to you know the the impact he's had on all all other athletes. Yeah, you know, um, um, but did you were you able to like talk with him or you know I, engage I with him get in depth? conversation I didn't get in deep with conversation with him I did talk to him a little bit but um like everyone on the Olympic team was just swarming him everyone yeah. was really excited about his presence and um you know I I feel like Lochte like Brian Lochte and Phelps like hung out with him more and I kind of had more of a bond with with Kobe but um he definitely had a presence you know like in the Olympic Village everyone everyone you know from different countries I think we had like security guards kind of around like hanging out with us because it was like Phelps and Kobe and LeBron and um yeah it was pretty it was pretty amazing to be able to be around such greatness you know such, yeah like so much ta talent yeah no that's awesome um I want to go back a little bit I want to talk about flow I've been again I've been asking this question to uh champions Olympians you know high achievers is it possible to identify when you are in in your meet in a in an event yeah. in the flow can you feel that feeling can you feel what it's like to be locked in yeah definitely i mean it's only happened a handful of times thankfully it happened at the right times you know like world championships or nationals or the olympics um but when it does happen you know being in a state of flow it's like time kind of slows down you know like you're so focused in on what you're doing your mind and your body are so connected you know and for me for butterfly it was it was a lot of like trusting my training and trusting that I was mentally prepared. I was physically prepared. I just kind of had to let it happen and to be able to be um, open to that flow state, you know, not to don't be so controlling, but also just kind of allow it to happen. Um, but I definitely know when the moments that it was happening, it's kind of like the race happens and then it's over and 
you're just kind of like, whoa, whoa what, what just happened? You know, it's, a, it's kind of like a, an alternate reality in some ways, but it's really a special thing that I've never felt ever outside of um, racing. So like one of the things I love about swimming, it's, um, you know, I feel so alive. That's kind of how I would describe it. Like even now, like when I'm swimming, I just feel alive. Like I, that's kind of my um, takeaway from it. And when you're in the flow state, that's being, I've never felt more alive in my life than like right before the Olympic trials, like the energy, like going behind the blocks. Like I am, this is where I'm supposed to be this moment right now. This is where I'm supposed to be. And just to have that um, faith and the confidence in trusting your journey it's such a rewarding experience. You know, even when I missed the team, like I felt that right before I raced one year and I missed the team, but I was like, that feeling of this is where I'm supposed to be. Like the flow state was, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find. Mm. Is it something that you can practice? Yeah. Through meditation. You know, I don't think that that would have happened if I wasn't prepared mentally, if I didn't see it happening in my mind. Right. You can't, it doesn't just happen, you know, on the flick of your fingers. It's like, you have to practice that and you have to practice being in it and like seeing yourself achieving what you want to achieve. Mm. And it's really emotional too, right? Like I, I feel like, uh, cause I've, I've been in that flow state or zone a handful of times myself, but like, it's a, it's a feeling more than anything else. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess emotional, uh, emotional management is what I want to ask you about next. Like, how do you manage your emotions in those, um, you know, in those trials, in the NCAAs, in the Olympics, when, the, you know, you have all this pressure on you, yeah. you know, and you're, and you're like trying to allow yourself to just stay locked in, stay in your lane, find your own personal zone, but you have all this outside stuff that's going on. How do you manage your emotions in, the, in those moments? That's where the support system comes in, right? So like at the Olympic trials, um, when I made it wasn't, that was in 2008. And I was rooming, my roommate was Amanda Beard. who's like a legend swimmer, you know, four-time Olympian. And she had made it so many times before this, this was like her fourth Olympics for me, it was my first. So Amanda and I were roommates and we would be in the room together and we just listen to music and start dancing and try to break it, try to like break up that pressure with like a lighthearted dance party for like five seconds. And then we'd go to the pool. So I was kind of like following Amanda's lead, you know, like, okay, like we're going to go warm up now. We're going to stretch together. We're going to focus on one race at a time. And Amanda and I both made the team that year. And then we were roommates at the Olympics. And so kind of having that support system and having someone to be right next to me and not hold my hand, but I mean, Amanda was doing the exact same thing I was doing. We were teammates. We were really good friends. And then having my coach talk to me before, um, at Olympic trials, you have the preliminaries, the semifinals and the finals. So I did really well in prelims. I did really well in semis and I was getting ready for the final heat. And I was like at the hotel room a couple hours before I had to go to the pool. And I was so nervous, you know, I'm like my butterfly. I couldn't take a nap butterflies in my stomach. So I called one of my best friends from growing up who has known me since I was eight. You know, he was actually my teammate. Um, he was always at the big competitions. And so I called him, his name was Mark. And I called Mark and I'm like, Mark, I'm so nervous right now. I can't even like sit still. I'm just, you know, I'm feel he's like, Kim, he's like, you've raced your entire life. You know how to race. They like, do what you do best. Like, you know what to do. Like, 
of course you're nervous. You're trying out for the Olympic team for the third time. You know, there's a lot of pressure, but um, just trust that you know what to do. And just like talking to my, my friends, talking to my family and, and knowing that I had so much support um, behind me. You know, it's not like I did it by myself. You know, my family was there. My friends were there. My coaches were there. Um, that's how I managed the pressure and kind of tuning into my breath work, you know, listening to some music, you know, trying to calm down, stretch, get pre-race massage, you know, get a good warm up in like the little things that you can control, um, really helped. But I think ultimately it was the support system. Yeah, man, I, I love that. And I, I just encourage anyone listening to this to, you know, to find your own support system, you know, and, and to create your own support system and to really cherish it. Cause like you said, like, like your support system could help you manage your emotions at the Olympics. If you make yeah. it to the Olympics, I mean, that's, that's so cool, but I think it, it can also help you through day to day, you know, and if you're going through a tough time, like, especially because we were talking about mental health, like just reach out, reach out, yeah. you know, to your, your friends, your family, like, like create that support system and be grateful for it. Yeah. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And that goes back to the concept of vulnerability. You know, like I was vulnerable telling Mark that I was, you know, freaking out and I was like, couldn't, you know, you have to have that vulnerability to be able to create the support system that you want and that you need to succeed. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. Um, Kim, where do you get inspiration from outside of the pool? I think, um, I mean, right now it's today, you know, I live in the Pacific Palisades and I'm right next to this like beautiful hiking trail, you know, so I've been taking my little dog on little walks and hikes and being out in nature. I think for me, that's really inspiring, um, especially coming from New York. When I was living in Brooklyn, New York, it's like so opposite, you know, now I, I take walks out in nature and see like bluebirds and rattlesnakes. Um, so being outside and then also yoga, you know, being able to, to practice yoga and play piano. You know, I'm a musician as well. I grew up playing the piano. I would love to play now, but my neighbor has a baby <laughs> upstairs. And okay. I okay. The baby's napping. I wanted napping. a little sample because I heard I you on that know. other podcast and you're really good. Thanks. Like, I grew up playing. I actually started playing the piano before I started swimming. I started playing the piano when I was five and I started swimming on a team when I was eight. Um, so playing music, cooking, I actually like out of the pandemic, I became not bad in the kitchen. I'm not like the best, but I'm really proud of myself for, you know, learning how to cook during the pandemic. And so I like to cook and I like to spend time with friends, you know, and, and just be with my neighbors. You know, I became really close to one of my neighbors during the pandemic. And so we hang out a lot and she's um, significantly older than I am. And we, j I just get some life advice from her because she's, she's lived a lot more life experience and I have yeah no that's great I mean I'm a musician myself I play guitar and like oh, really? I, yeah and like I I really value what music does for me in my life not just playing it but listening to it and specifically for the athletic side of me it just kind of balances me out yeah that's how right? I feel yeah. yeah I actually played the piano um in 2011 2012 I had a piano in Berkeley when I was training and I would play the piano and like go to the pool and, and train and the days that I was able to play the piano before practice, I kind of felt more rhythm in my nice. And I told nice. my coach that, I'm like, I, I feel more, she was like, your rhythm looks great. I'm like, yeah, I was playing the piano before I went to the pool. And I think that really helps. Yes, I, it really does. Um, just a, f a few more things, Kim. Um, 
you mentioned Cindy Gallagher, coach, and yeah. I know she just retired, I think a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, legendary coach at UCLA. Could you, could you just talk about some of her specifically or just some of the lessons that, the specific lessons that you learned from her? Yes, Cindy is, she is so important in my life. I mean, when I came to UCLA, I was 18. I trained with her till the Olympics when I was 24. So she was my coach for six years. You know, she, she took me from this young little high school swimmer into an Olympic athlete, an Olympic medalist. And so I really owe so much to her. Um, Cindy really helped me focus on, like I said earlier, not focusing on other people. I think when I was younger, I was really distracted by, like I said, lane two or lane whatever. And she really helped me focus on what I can control and to focus on my own race plan and to not compare myself to other people. And I think I know a lot of people do that, but young women especially do that, you know, teenagers do that. And um, so that was a big lesson I learned from Cindy. And also the gratitude list, like Cindy gave me this little notebook and it was like a list, like every day, like write what you're grateful for, you know? And so Cindy helped me with that. And she mm. was just so supportive seeing me more than an athlete. You know, if I had a really bad practice, she's like, what's going on? And I'd be like, well, my boyfriend and I are fighting and I was up all night yelling. We, we, I had like a crazy fight with my boyfriend and she was like, well, talking to me about that. And so she kind of looked at me at more than an athlete. She understood, you know, the struggles I was going through and she understood that I wanted to be a college student and like have a social life, but I was also, you know, trying to prepare for NCAAs. And so she was able to kind of call me out if I wasn't showing up, if I was, you know, if I wasn't working hard enough in practice, then he would kick me out. You know, she's like, get out. And I'd be like, what? And then, so I would get kicked out of practice. I would be so upset. You know, then we talk about it. She's like, you weren't kicking hard enough. You weren't trying hard enough. You were distracted. You know, so she kind of, she was hard on me, but um, she saw so much potential in me. And I trusted her so much. I trusted her with my training like a week before the world championships, I was feeling terrible in the water. And I was like, how am I even going to race at the world championships right now? I can't even do pace. You know, I couldn't do my pace set. And she was like, you have to trust the process. You know, like we've been training really hard. It's normal. You're tired. You haven't tapered. And then of course we like go to world championships and I got a silver medal and like went my best time. And, and it was just so time and time again, I would trust her and, and it worked out. And I, um, I guess the lesson is having faith in the process and, and trusting the journey, trusting yourself. And, and she's like, you know what to do. And I have this note from her. I wish I had it right here because I would read it. it um, you know, she would talk a lot about John Wooden. And so in this letter, she wrote me right before the Olympic trials in 2008, you know, she was writing like, par like part of his pyramid of success. You know, you, you have this, you have this, like you have poise, you have hard work, you have everything. She was like listing like the top tier of the John Wooden pyramid of success. And she's like, you have it all. You could do this. Like, I believe in you, like go for it. I love that. I love that. Cause that's a main part of this project is like, cause you know, I saw that pyramid every day too, yeah. you know, and I'm just room. like, yeah, the weight room and just outside the gym and just like, man, it, it really got it really got in my psyche too. And that's another reason why I'm 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 dedicated. There he is right there. Yeah. John Wooden. I'm just I'm I'm dedicating a big part of this project to um to him and what he stood for. Yeah. You know. Um last question, uh Kim. Um talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah. You know, I'm an entrepreneur myself and it's just, it's been like this amazing, beautiful, challenging journey, but I've learned so much and I've connected with so many people and just, I've grown. It's like a, it's a very personal development journey. I feel like, you know, um, just talk briefly about that for you. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, when I was living in New York, a lot of the families that I was working with, you know, I was teaching different athletes. They kept saying, you should start your own thing. You should start your own thing. You know, I was working for different pools, different companies. I still work for different companies, but I decided to start my own little swim school. And so I called it, I call it Kim Swim Studios. And when I did that, it was just such a beautiful experience because I was able to combine my passions for yoga, my passions for teaching, my passions for mentoring, my passion for everything that I do into one little company. And I have all these clients that I either teach yoga to or teach swimming to. And I work with um, Rise athletes for my mentoring work. But all of this to me, I mean, as an entrepreneur is this is my passion. This is going back to what we talked about earlier, living an inspired life. Like I love what I do and it's hard not to work because I love working and I love being around people and teaching and inspiring and leading. So it's difficult. Um, I think the hardest thing for me is balancing like my life, you know, okay. Like I need to take some time for myself. You know, I maybe need to, you know, space this out. So I have time to go on a long walk with my dog or, you know, to meditate or to be alone, to not be moving so much. So, um, it's a good problem to have, you know, to like love what you do so much that you need to like scale back to take care of yourself and to be still for a little bit. Um, but I think it is a journey just like everything in our lives and to be able to be present while we're preparing for the future, I think is, is also really hard, but that's the delicate dance that we have to do and that we have to explore. Yeah, no, totally. And I know entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but yeah. I would encourage people out there who have the nudge to follow the nudge. You yeah. know, I, I had the nudge and I, I know you did too. And it's just, it's just great to follow through on it. It's hard to follow through, right? Cause you yeah. feel it, but it's like, oh, there's all, there's all these challenges. But once you, once you follow through on it, man, the whole world opens up. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, if it were easy, like everyone would do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Kim, thank you so much for, for joining today. Like this is such a great conversation and, um, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to see you too after all these years. And um, just real quick, uh, just give a plug for yourself. Any you know uh, websites or you know social media yeah. handles, anything like that. Sure. So I have two so so social media handles on Instagram, Kim Swim, and then Kim Swim Studios. And then my website is www.kimswimstudios.com. And I would love to hear from anyone, everyone, and anyone. You can reach out to me on my website or on Instagram. Awesome. And I'm going to link those things too, uh, when this is published, Kim, you're awesome. You're a rock star. You're Thank a champion. You, I appreciate you. And uh, we should do it again sometime. You. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement, and they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.co.uk.